You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Friends, fans, and foes, it's time once again for Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling, and I'm your host, Casey Corbin. Thank you for joining us this week on the pod, the old TNW pod. Uh, before we get to the show, though, you know what you have to do. You have to hit us up on all those social media outlets. If you could do that for us, that would be great. On Twitter, we're at TNW Pod. Uh, on the Facebook, we're at Talking Wrestling. Facebook, just a backslash and a Facebook, Talking Wrestling. Uh, Instagram, we are Talking Wrestling Podcast. On there, we are also on Spotify. That's right. We're on Spotify, and, and because we were there, Joe Rogan said, I want to be there. And Joe Rogan is now also on Spotify with Talking Wrestling from Never Sleeps Network. It's pretty cool. Good to be a part of it. Also, check out Casey Corbin, uh, the comedian on there. His albums, all three of them, they are all up on Spotify as well. Give them a follow. Hey, why don't you also check us out at Gmail. Send us a Gmail, uh, talkingwrestling at gmail.com. We're also on iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe. Give us five stars and a favorable review. And what we will do with that favorable review is we will send you a postcard of a 1983 wrestler of your choosing as long as we still have that wrestler available. Woo! I don't know. Felt like just doing that. So, uh, with that said, I think we've covered all the bases where we are. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, We're on Apple Music, for Christ's sakes. Did you know that? For crying out loud, we are on Apple Music, too. We're in a lot of places. We're we're where popular e podcasts are found. That's where we are. And uh, today on the show, uh, we got a great show. But before we do the show, um, I just want to say it's a very a sad thing to hear about um, what happened to uh, wrestler uh, Chad Gaspard from Crime Time, uh, WWE wrestler as well. Um, went out to save his son. He was out in the water uh, at uh, Venice Beach, and uh, I guess his son got caught in the riptide. He went out after him, and the lifeguards went out and saved the son. Meanwhile, he got caught in the riptide and taken out and and uh, and drowned, unfortunately, and was missing until he wound up on the beach, uh, I guess, uh, well, not, not long ago, in the last 24 hours, because... It's all over the news. He was missing, and now he's found. And uh, it's just a sad, sad story that uh, he died saving his son. And, um, you know, in the end, he's just another wrestler that's going to be put on some list where they're like, oh, here's another wrestler that's died too young. Well, this one didn't die taking pills and booze and, and living a reckless lifestyle. This guy died being a hero to his father. So when you look at those lists... And, and, you, and you say, oh, look at all these wrestlers that die young. Not, not all of them. Not all of them are, 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 are people looking to die young. Some of them are just unfortunate circumstances that happen in life. 
much like this happened to uh, Chad, and uh, he was well loved, and uh, you know, it's just very unfortunate. So uh, Chad, uh, I'm not saying Chad, I'm saying Chad. <laughs> Uh, uh, rest in peace and, um, uh, you know, condolences to, uh, your family and friends. Uh, with that said, right now, we've got a great episode for you today, uh, from the Crave slash Hulu hit Letter Kenny. Uh, we have Squirrely Dan, aka K. Trev Wilson, the man mountain of Canadian comedy, and, uh, he's with us right now in studio so we'll go to that right now take it away ladies and gentlemen in studio at this time but not in this studio in another studio over six feet away i've got a very special guest one of the original guests of never sleeps networks talking wrestling he's here with us at this time from the very popular hit sitcom on hulu and crave in canada it's uh, K. Trevor Wilson from Letterkenny. How you doing, K. Trev? What's up? I'm How doing been? good, bud. Thanks for having me. Hey, hey, it's great. It seems like we, you know, it seems like uh, it was just yesterday that you were on the show, but it's been three years, and in three years, your show is blown up uh, in America as well, which is great, and you were on a massive tour, and I wanted to know before all this lockdown started did you get that tour did you get the tour in the did you guys get the tour done or were you stopped partially way through how did it work out for you guys we we got it started we got like the first leg uh we kicked it off end of uh february in new brunswick uh at the casino moncton and we made it to we did our first u.s show on that tour which was Detroit at the Masonic Temple uh, to a sold-out crowd of just over like 4,000. And then wow. we were supposed to do Buffalo. Uh, and Buffalo, we literally, I was waiting for the car to go to the gig in Buffalo. And I got the call saying uh, the, the two had been called. Um, yeah, we'd had a bunch of the, the venues uh, had to cancel. And it just became this thing where it's like, you know, we, we have to we have to pull the trigger on something. And, uh, you know, we just decided the safest thing was to call the whole thing and send everyone back home and wait to see what happened. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Two months later. <laughs> exactly. We don't know what's going on. I was saying, I, you know, like it was so funny. Like uh, I remember on the Thursday night around that March 12th week around that, it was like it seemed like on the Wednesday night, Tom Hanks got it. And then on Thursday night, I did a show. And I remember I was like, I will not live in fear. And people were clapping, and the club was packed. And we were like, fuck this, fuck this coronavirus. And then uh, wrestling I was supposed to go to, the WWE show on Saturday, was canceled on Friday. And I'm like, oh, fuck, now it's getting serious. Uh, Because Vince doesn't cancel shows. We're still waiting. Like, I was still waiting to hear on what's going on. It still took another three weeks for WrestleMania to cancel. And... In those three weeks, my fingers were crossed because I had my flights booked. I had I, I I'd never been to a WrestleMania, and I was going. Oh, I was going to this WrestleMania. I had, <laughs> I had shows. Me. I had no problem. I had shows for everything. I was going with my friends from LA. I was meeting them there. We had an Airbnb. Uh, Jimmy Hart had told me he would introduce me to Hulk Hogan himself. You know, I'm like I was stoked for the. Oh, you were flying high. Oh yeah, and then. So I was, uh, even wow. after I lost all the gigs, I was still holding on to WrestleMania. I'm like, come on, Vince, don't cave. But eventually, 
everything was done rightfully. And you know what? I got I got some airfare credit right now, so who knows? And next year WrestleMania is in Hollywood, and it's going to be bigger and badass. And I just hope it's going to happen, and it's going to be great. But but um, you know, I don't know. It seems like once Tom Hanks uh, got it, fucking in the whole world, you know, everybody was like, "Oh shit!" You know, there's if Tom Hanks yeah. gets it, you know, what's Tom gonna... Hanks is like America's dad. He pretty much is. Since he played Mr. Rogers, it's like, what else can you do? You know? Yeah. And I yeah, think... Nothing, nothing more wholesome and American. Tom Hanks is like apple pie. Yeah. And like yeah. you said, like you said, you, you learn, we learn that him and Rita Wilson are, are, are uh, you know, they're undefeatable. Like this, you know, Tom Hanks took on the virus and everything was okay. He had no problem with isolation because he had a volleyball with him. So yep. it was all good, and uh, he beat AIDS before. So well, he didn't beat AIDS in the movie, but he lived in real life. So I, I like to imagine that he could do it again. So you know, he's a good guy. And uh, but yeah, here we are now. It's crazy. Um, but uh, we're locked down and we're uh, isolation, and things are getting better. They're getting ready to open up, but I don't know what's going to happen with wrestling. I know indie guy. Indie guys must be, you know. Stand-ups are starting to do backyard parties. I don't know if any wrestlers are going to backyard wrestling <laughs> or what they're oh going to do. Oh my god, we we could see a backyard wrestling surge just due to <laughs> just due to the fact that people need something to Skype. And yeah, stream. yeah. I would love to see uh, some crazy kids at a backyard wrestling show, and then just have RJ City show up and just be himself and like belittle how stupid the backyard wrestling is, you know. It could be, uh, it could be great, uh, you know. You know what? I, I I can see RJ actually showing up in this pandemic. I can see RJ uh, zooming in to the little the backyard wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the guys right now who on Twitter, uh, I swear to God, he's killing it during the lockdown. Like he is so entertaining. Um, he's a hoot. Like somebody sent him a letter, like saying why haven't you thought about going to the wwe and he made a video response like oh you think i've never thought of this what he like just like it's the most ridiculous thing ever but he's uh he's so funny and so entertaining and uh rj and- rj is a longtime favorite of mine from the toronto indie scene and uh uh i still have fond memories of uh uh a while back my uh my fiance and I went with uh, my roommate and his girlfriend to a Destiny wrestling show out in Mississauga, and uh, I, I wore my RJ shirt. And uh, I, you know, I've known RJ for a few years now, and I, I ran into him uh, sort of on the break in between shows, and he was in the second half. So RJ uh, used me to to pull some cheap heel heat. Uh, called me out. He was like, "We have uh, K. Trevor Wilson from Letterkenny here." I, I've never seen your show, but I, on it, I understand you play a drunken slob, so it must be a documentary series. <laughs> and uh, uh, all the fans started booing, and I was, you know, I, I was handing it up like, "What? I but I came here to cheer you. Why would you do that?" And then my fiance was like, "I thought he was your friend. Why is he being so mean?" And when I told RJ, uh, he actually messaged my fiance and, and uh, pretty much broke down heel heat to her. <laughs> he's like i'm really sorry this is what we were doing and you know oh <laughs> that's great 
Uh, he went on. Such a delightful guy. Oh, he is. <laughs> and he's an entertainer. He, uh, you know, he was on, uh, David Arquette was on Stone Cold's podcast and he brought RJ with him. And I, RJ kind of stole the show. It was a really good podcast. And he really, like, he got over with Stone Cold huge. And you could tell Stone Cold took a liking to him. And it was just, uh, it was very entertaining. And, it, you know, uh, as much as I want you people to all listen to Talking Wrestling every week, you know, you can listen to other podcasts. And I encourage you to go listen to that Stone Cold, RJ City, David Arquette episode because it is very entertaining. And I do like supporting the guys that we know because, you know, um, it, it's, a, it's a tough time right now. So go to Pro Wrestling Tees and buy a T-shirt, you know, if you can. Yeah. You know, uh, pro wrestling tees buy up as much gear as you can there from the guys support because, indie wrestling. Yeah, exactly. Uh, have you been following any of the um, uh, Dark Side of the Ring series? You know what? I've been saving it up. I've, I saw a few of them on the first season, and I think I'm just gonna knock out a whole bunch in a row. Yeah. Well, it's been it's been a good it's a good season this year. There's some really good like the Benoit two parter is really really good. Uh, it's very emotional. Uh, the, um, Dr. D David Schultz episode is a lot of fun. Uh, but this week, this episode is, um, is Owen Hart and I'm really looking forward to it. And I think, um, a lot of people's attitudes are going to, might be changed about the whole, about Martha Hart and the way she's handling things. Uh, because she hasn't really had a chance to voice herself aside from the book. Uh, her book on Owen but you know we like I think we're going to get to know more about her story and uh with Owen and like I heard her on Jericho's podcast and she basically flat out said you know um they didn't bring up the hall of fame but Jericho sort of tiptoed around it and he said like are you aware of her of, of Owen's legacy and you're aware of how much he means to wrestlers and the fans and she's aware but She's just flat out said, like, look at I hold the WWE responsible for killing my husband. So why would I work with them? It doesn't make any sense, you know? And I'm like, yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell, right? Like, that's uh, that's why you sued them. That's why you took that money. And if you took the money and went back to work with them, you just look like a huge hypocrite, you know? Like, so... Jericho started started saying like Owen was a legend in New Japan. If New Japan wanted to honor him, would you go represent him? And she said, "Yeah, she would. She's open to something like that. She's not open to, uh, she's not open to honoring Owen in, in like it's, it's just in the WWE. She just doesn't want him involved with it, right? So I was like, Jericho's gonna scoop uh owen and put him in the first member as the aew hall of fame i just have a feeling that there i feel that he's going to be honored somewhere else and it's going to be great and uh we just have to wait but um i just can't wait to see this episode. Him the order of canada posthumously given the order of canada you know have they they have haven't they i don't think they, I don't think they have but that's something that they could definitely do and why it, not he's had a huge lasting cultural impact well, he, him, and, and it would be interesting because I'm sure, I'm sure Brett has it. I know Stu has it. Um, yeah. But you know, it'd be interesting to have a father and two sons that both have it, because his impact has been huge. Um, you know, and it's so funny that the episode airs this week, 
because we are 21 years to the 23rd of May, which is his death date. So, um, you know, that's next weekend. And uh, yep. this comes out Thursday. I don't know if they planned it like that, but, um, you know, I'll never forget that day. That day was like, uh, it was very weird. Uh, well, do you remember? Did you did, did you watch that pay-per-view? I was not watching that pay-per-view. Uh Probably, thankfully, at this point, uh, I I was hanging out with my buddies, and I was in my buddy Andrew's van, and, and we had the radio on. Yeah, and it came over the radio, and uh, it was never wrestling news on the radio. No, and uh, and yeah, and uh, I was like, I you know, I heard something. I was like, shut up, turn that up, and I listened, and I was just like, holy fuck, like how did that happen? You know, like. It was just, uh, it had been a long time since someone had died in the ring in North America. Yeah. Uh, so it was like, uh, and, and then, you know, to have it be Owen, to have it be the last remaining member of the Hart Foundation in the WWE. And, uh, you know, one of the best and one of my, I mean, like, you know, you, you and me uh, and, and probably every other Canadian kid, uh, uh, he was a wrestling fan at that time. Was madly in love with the Hart Foundation. Oh. They were the, they were Canada's, you know, four horsemen. They were, yeah, they were, uh, you know, for a very short run, one of the best stables, you Ever. know, that, that had been put together. And uh, and I mean, Owen was one of my favorites from uh, from you know even from back when he was the Blue Blazer. My brother and I loved the Blue Blazer. He was our favorite, you know, underdog in the middle of the eighties. And, uh, I remember him in Owen showing up in WCW briefly before, uh, re-debuting with, uh, uh Nightheart as the new foundation. And yeah, I was an Owen Mark before, um, before, you know, you could be an Owen Mark really. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I watch, I remember watch like TSN used to always carry stampede back then. And I used to watch him, with uh with Mike Smith or Mukka Singh. So and he would feud constantly with Mukka Singh. And I'd also watch Bruce and Brian Pillman as a tag team, bad company, and they were great and they'd wrestle the uh the, the uh remember the uh Gammas. Matt Dillon had a story about uh he had like a a custom made Owen shirt because he was uh such a big fan of Stampede. I mean, he was out west at the time, so he was a kid watching Stampede Wrestling. I think Dylan told me his dad used to uh, promote for book him. shows for Stu in, yeah. in BC. Prince George, and, yeah. uh, and Matt Dylan told me a story of wearing his own shirt to Hart House and uh, um, Stu's mom or Owen's mom warning him not to let uh, uh, Owen's girlfriend, who's you know now his widow, see the shirt because she'd try to get it from him. <laughs> I know, isn't that crazy? And like. I seen the shirt. Matt still had he, Matty still has the shirt to this day. He he showed me one time at his apartment in Toronto a couple of years back and I'm like, you know, you should really get in touch with her and just send her that shirt. You know, if she want Matt, I wonder if she would remember back to that day. It was Christmas around Christmas time where he was at the Hart house and he's wearing his Christmas gift, his Owen Hart shirt. And Owen had not even had a shirt made up. Owen might have been 17 at the time wrestling you know like it, it's just crazy uh matt billen actually is supposed to be next week's guest so 
I'm hoping that uh, I've been trying to book Matt for years, but everything falls through at the last minute. Here I've gone and told one of his stories a week before he's on it. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Does not matter. I've I've told all those stories on this show, (laughs) but it's still it's still good to hear them from Matt's uh, from Matt's uh, mouth himself. But but it's so true. Like you know, like for me, the day I watched the pay per view, but not only that, um, earlier in the day was the Memorial Cup final in hockey for junior hockey in Canada. And uh, it was the Ottawa 67s versus the Calgary Hitmen. And I was at the game, and so was Bret Hart and his wife and two of his kids. And uh, I met Bret Hart that day. I got my WWE 1986 magazine autographed with him on the cover. And after that game, he lost and hopped on a plane to go to L.A. for the Tonight Show. And I uh, went home and watched the pay-per-view and um, watched it with my mom, as I did with all my wrestling pay-per-views. Uh, it was my mom was a big wrestling fan, and just I remember when it happened. It was like you know, it was just quiet, like quiet, like we, nobody was talking. My mom and I, you know, and then everything just sort of unfolded. I remember Deborah in the pay-per-view just bawling through a a promo, and Jeff Jarrett's like, "We gotta go," you know, and like it was just so sad that the wrestlers had to go and continue on and work under those conditions and and then jr had to break it to the people later on that he was dead and then it was like you know my mom looked at me she's like how do you feel and i was like i said well it looks like the undertaker is gonna have an extra long night tonight and that was (laughs) like of course i gotta make a joke because i don't know how to deal with tragedy (laughs) you know so I make an Undertaker joke that he's because he's got to defend the title in a buried alive match against Stone Cold in the main event, and he's got to bury Owen. You know, like he he's got a long night. So I just uh, that was the, the, the joke I made, and my mom just said you'll be all right, and I'm like, and then I was just I could not. It really the next night on Raw was the night that I like I bawled all through that Raw. And oh yeah, especially Mark Mark Henry reading that poem. I was just gonna say you can't get the picture of Mark Henry reading that poem, sobbing out of your head once you've seen it. Just yeah, it, it, it reminded me of the Rock Crusher at the end of a uh, uh, Never Ending Story. Just this huge <laughs> mountain of a man, just you know, reduced to to tears, and it was uh. A real, a real glimpse into the type of person Mark Henry was too, though. Like the, yeah, uh, there's a beautiful soul inside that giant uh, frying pan bending monster. Yeah, he's you know he's uh, he's a really kind man, and uh, for such a big man, and uh, you know that poem. I remember Jeff Jarrett won the Intercontinental Title that night. He uh, and he used the sharpshooter to win, and. Uh, and then they showed clips of Owen's funeral, and uh, I have a VHS cassette with the tape with the pay per view and the two next Raws on uh, on the video on the cassette, and it's just like Mark, do not tape over, uh, you know. And although I never watch it, I have it, and uh, you know, because those footages of the the two Raws after you never you're not going to see those Raws on the network. It's like the Benoit tribute Raw that they did before they realized what happened. Um, you know, but but uh you're never gonna see anything else like that. 
unfortunately. But oh well. Um, now let's uh, let's shift the gears from all into uh, what do you think about wrestling now? Who, who you who are you following? Are you watching? Uh, what what are you watching at this time? Because I know people are frustrated with the manager product, but there's nothing you can really do about it. Are you watching old wrestling? Are you watching new wrestling? Are you keeping up with the product? What's going on? Uh, I've got a backlog of uh, AEW episodes that I work through, uh, that I'm working through right now and getting caught up with that. And uh, I've been uh, floating in and out. I caught most of the money in the bank pay-per-view and uh, literally for a split second thought Baron Corbin just whipped Rey Mysterio off the roof. (laughs) Somebody was going off the roof. I thought it was going to be Jeff Hardy, and he wasn't even in the match. But I, I was like, I was watching it, and it was just like one of those moments where it was just like, because there, there was no, there was no commentators on it. There's no, there's no commentary. Yeah, no one was explaining the action. It was just like a, a really bad action movie. Yeah, it was like uh, watching a, uh, it was like watching a video game. It was like it was like Cannonball Run without any cars. <laughs> It is, and Oscar's Jackie Chan. It's just ridiculous characters racing each other through a building, yeah. running into various various problems, and, and tons of cameo guest stars. Like, for no reason, John Laurinaitis on a scooter and interrupts Otis pigging out in the cafeteria. And, yeah. and by the way, what a... What a classic 1980s story arc for Otis Dosevic in that Money in the Bank match. <laughs> <laughs> I love We're how... We're going to give you the Shaggy from Scooby-Doo storyline, and you're just going to enter random rooms and start eating food. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he ends up winning at the end. But it's just so funny. Like, And you saw that table of food, and you're like, oh, you know there's going to be a food fight. Like Vince loves food fights. Every oh they they do they there's so many if there's a cake you know the cake is not getting eaten it's going in somebody's face he, he loves food fights in the history of WWE I can go back to my tapes from the 80s like the best of WWE bubble cases and I can find food fights between the stars from back then are having food fights all like the Halloween episode food fight. Like you know, it's Thanksgiving just, episode food, food fight, fight. <laughs> yeah. great, great American, like a uh, 4th of July food fight, you know, um, yeah. it's great. But you always knew it was going to happen when you were a kid, you're watching it and you're like, well, these guys hate each other. Why would they invite them to the same Thanksgiving? And then of course it goes wrong. Yeah. Well, the, the, well, the idea is the pilgrims did invite the natives at one point, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> they, they did. There was intent, good intent, I do believe. Uh, so, you know, Tatanka was welcome at, uh, at all these food fights. Um, and so was the chief, Jay Strongbow. But the uh, no, I noticed nobody slapped Daniel Bryan with any pepperoni or any sort of meat. So it was very, very sensitive of them to not ladle gravy on, uh, <laughs> on you know, Daniel on top, Bryan. On top of Daniel Bryan. They. Yeah. I, I did like the um, I did like the I like I kind of like I kind of like the the matches that they did with I just wish they would have did it separately I wish they would have had the men's and the women's separately so it wasn't such a cluster, um, but I do like the fact that they both sort of crossed each other every now and again I thought that was kind of cool, uh, but I do and I I do like that they're filming matches 
Like the long the long, the Undertaker's match at WrestleMania, it's like you should have been doing that for the last three years. Like, are you kidding me? How entertaining was AJ Styles and the Undertaker at WrestleMania? It was the best might have been it might be my favorite Undertaker match since Shawn Michaels. Honest to God. So in in, in WWE continuity uh, Gallows and Anderson were blown up in the Undertaker's compound. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're never going to see them again because storyline, they're dead. <laughs> they popped up. Well, they've already popped up in Japan. So, like, they're already uh, announced that they signed with New Japan or they're signing with New Japan. They're going right back there. Oh, they're, they're going right back there. Makes yeah. sense. Which, it, was, it, makes, makes it makes sense. Totally makes sense. And, like, and it's going to be great when they go right back because they're not going to lose a step. Because, uh, you know, it's just they're going to be just as bad. As, like, they're going to be what they were before they came to the WWE and got watered down. They're going to get to go back and dominate tag teams in New Japan, which is fantastic. Um, now, AJ Styles is already back alive. He, uh, he wasn't dead for long, considering he was buried yep. alive. and uh, But he was competing in the uh, Money in the Bank match as well. Uh, how did you like the finish of the Money in the Bank match? That it just sort of fell out of AJ's hands and landed in OJ's arms. Otis's. You know, it was. Uh, I, I I like it when they try something different. Uh, I, I'm intrigued to see where this is going to go. Like, is this the start of a actual push for Otis, or is this going to, you know, uh, is this just going to be uh, a bad idea? You know, like if they've got a good plan for it, I like that they're I like that they're doing something different with it. You know, having the the unexpected guy do it. I like I like seeing other new guys get get a chance. And Otis is is entertaining. Uh, he's you know surprisingly nimble for his body and frame. He's an uh, athlete. He uh, he says oh yeah too much though. Watching well, that whole money in the bank i was like so is his gimmick now he's just a kool-aid man well no i like, so i call i tweeted this during my during the money in the bank and then i've gotten flack from my friends for saying it but i've always felt like uh otis is doing his impersonation of randy savage and it's not good but like when he shrugs his shoulders and he turns his head side to side with no neck that's vintage macho man he says, oh, yeah, all the time. And, you know, he just, he does macho man things. And it's just like, it. You, although you can't see it because he looks nothing like the macho man. But I see it. I, I, just, I just think that someone magically turned the Kool-Aid man into a person, and that's Otis Dosevic. They have the same build. <laughs> they both say, oh, yeah, way too much. I just want Otis's, I want Otis to have the Shockmaster entrance. I want him to come out for every match bursting through a brick wall <laughs> and bringing oh, yeah. degree fruit, passing out the Kool-Aid to all the kids in the audience. It, it might, you know what? D don't rule that out. Cause if you know, they could do starts... cross promotion, Kool-Aid could sponsor him. He could get, he could get the classic Kool-Aid t-shirt with the face on it. So, oh, Jesus Christ. Now you're, now you're booking. This is great. This is actually pretty good. Yeah. Come on. So Dosevic. <laughs> <laughs> so they have uh, apparently Otis, Otis Kool-Aid does <laughs> apparently, apparently they uh, him and Mandy 
have concocted this storyline. Like it was, it was their doing, and Mandy was the one that pitched it to Vince, and Vince said, "Okay." Like she she pitched it all, like with Sonya. So it's very smart because her and Sonya get I, pushed. I followed Otis for a while, and this was a long running gag from back in NXT. Exactly. Exactly. He he would post stuff about Mandy and talk about uh, her being his girlfriend. And I remember like sitting around with with my old roommate and our you know girlfriends and, and being like, "Are they dating? Is this for real?" Like <laughs> Otis is always posting about Mandy. She's with, uh, and, but uh, Mandy's with what's his name? Pino um, Sabatelli. Yes, the guy that we'll never see. Um, if we haven't seen him yet, we're not going to see him at all. Like he's the rich NFL player, you know. Um, that, that like that's yeah, what he was. Been, he's been injury plagued. Yeah, I, I think. I don't think he'll ever. It'll ever happen. You know, it's just it's hasn't happened yet. I don't think he'll flounder in NXT. And you know what? I think he might actually you know lose what? his we've, girlfriend. We've said that we've said that about a lot of guys in the past who uh, were lucky enough that. They managed to stay in NXT long enough to try some different gimmicks till they finally hit. You know, uh, uh, a lot of Angelo Dawkins was a guy who was sort of floundering for yeah. a long time there. Uh, Murphy and um, oh, what's his well, Buddy Murphy. They definitely the did the right thing stuff. with him by pairing him up with Seth. The minute you know, the like the minute you put Buddy Murphy with Seth, you knew that Buddy Murphy was going to be made, but. Who do you think's the best guy to make to get over talent in wrestling today? Do you like I know who I have in mind. Who do you think it is? For getting people over today? Yeah, like what? Who do you think's the best wrestler for that's that's good? Like like they can help a wrestler get over. Like obviously Buddy Murphy's alliance with Seth Rollins helped him get over. But you know, like for example, I just think Chris Jericho is the best. And I know you haven't been through all the AEW yet, but I did not like Sammy Guevara at all when AEW started. But now, I think Sammy oh, Guevara really? is great. And it's all Chris, because of Chris Jericho. Like Chris Jericho is a star maker. He is. Like, nobody knew who Pineapple Pete was. And now, in the last three weeks, we all know who Pineapple Pete is. You know, like, and Jericho on commentary, you're going to come across that eventually. He's he is the best at the world. Like when he's like when I met him, I said to him, "You know what I like about you is a lot of wrestlers go out there and they say they're the best in the world at what they do, but you're actually the best in the world at what you do. You leave wrestling, you write a book, it goes number one. You leave book writing, you go record an album, Judas goes number one. I was like, there's nothing that you haven't. I was like, you're in great movies like MacGruber." You're in Sharknado, like you're you're a good actor. I said you're a great wrestler. You're a great singer. You're great this, and I'm like everything you do, you're good at. I was like, so yeah, you are the best in the world. I'm like CM Punk is not a good UFC fighter, so he can stop saying that, you know. <laughs> and I was like, you're the best, and he sort of shrugged it off, but but it it I honestly believe it to be true. Uh, he is the best, and he's you know. The best thing AEW has, and you know, and uh, going forth, he's still the best thing they have today. Like, although they're making new stars every day, bringing over Lance Archer is uh, was a big one, and pairing him up with Jake the Snake, 
Oh, I, if I'm ruining it for you, I'm sorry. But no, no, no. I, I, I know about Jake and and, uh, and Archer and that pairing, and it was really, really nice to hear uh, someone was used. I like that. I like that uh, AEW is doing managers. I think that's yes uh, a lost art. That uh, if you you know go, I, I always go back and watch, you know, uh, the old old wrestling, and it's so much uh, like the old storylines were driven around. You get instant heat on the guy just by putting him with the right manager, mm-hmm. and you could enter into a storyline. You wouldn't need any explanation. It was just I brought him in to destroy Hulkamania. That's all you need to know. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you don't have to do anything else to sell me on this. No, it, that, that's why he's there, and it's and you know it, it it lets the wrestler wrestle too. You know, it helps build mystique. Uh, I also, I mean, going back, I I I, I watch a ton of old wrestling, and so do uh, I. <laughs> man, man, did they ever? Uh, <laughs> no, the one thing I'll say about modern wrestling is. There's there's winners and there's losers. Like people do the job more now. Like go back and watch old tape, and it's always double count out, uh, time limit draw. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, interference, called finish, double DQ. You know, how do we how do we push the the uh, the road warriors, but don't actually put the gold on them? You Jeepers! Know, did you a, just a watch a whole them? year of double DQs with I, Doom? I just. And, uh, uh, I did the last match that I watched, uh, aside from wrestling on television, uh, was uh, the, last night I watched a 23-minute match between the Road Warriors and the Fabulous Ones. And it was a good match. I really enjoyed it. Uh, now, the, for some reason, the Fabulous Ones had Crusher with them, and he was in suspenders and a bow tie, topless, as well as the Fabulous Ones. And it's... <laughs> Crusher's got that beard, like he's him and the Bruiser, are like our throwback AWA guys. Wait, which which Crusher, the Crusher or the, Crusher Blackwell? No, no, the Crusher, and okay. and and he's got that. No, no, I don't want to see Jerry Blackwell topless, but <laughs> but but Crusher, but the original Crusher, he's got that beer gut, and you know, and he's like wearing the top. So the match is great. Like I know the Road Warriors did not want to uh, job to the Fabulous Ones because. And that to me makes sense. Makes sense. Like I think I might have uh, said this last week on the show, but I'll say it again this week because uh, it makes the Road Warriors shouldn't have to lose to the Fabulous Ones because if the Chippendales are on stage at at a, at, a, at a bar venue and they get in trouble, uh, the bouncers come and save their asses. Uh, that's the way it works. The Chippendales can't beat up the bouncers, and the Road Warriors are the bouncers, and the Fabulous Ones are Chippendales. So. It doesn't make sense. So let's uh, stop this nonsense and let's have Crusher come in with a chair for no reason at the end of the match to call in and get the disqualification. But uh, you know, it's uh, it was, but it was a good match. And Steve Karen's not that small compared to the Road Warriors. Like they're the size. It's a legitimate matchup, I thought. But oh well. Uh, but a great match nonetheless. Um, and it was and. Uh, yeah, that's that's the last. Ma- I just put it on YouTube and whatever match it suggests, I throw on. You know, thank you YouTube. You know, it's great. Oh yeah, you find tons of stuff. I like going back and like when the, when new stuff comes to the network, I go and like find the oldest videos I can find. Sometimes just to 
get a kick out of it. I was watching an old Madison Square Garden event, and uh, I think I tweeted about it, but uh, uh, Fuji and um, his, uh, his old tag team partner, not Professor Toru Tanaka, but uh, the, the other Mr. Sato. Okay, yeah, yes. Uh, uh, they both wrestled on the card, uh, and they both used like a, a pectoral claw as a wear down hold where it just, they were just grabbing fistfuls of like pecs on the wrestlers and squeezing. And uh, I, I, I don't know if I'd ever seen that particular offensive move before. And it, it was something that simultaneously looked ridiculous and also effective. I have seen Fuji use it in other matches. I've seen him use it. Like, it's not an out-of-the-blue Fuji move. It was one of his... It's as effective as... He used it in that match. It was like, oh, man, i got to watch more Fuji tape because I think he probably does this all the time. This is like a, yeah. a classic of theirs. It's, but, like, uh... it's, like guys, it's like guys that would back-rake Hogan. They would never use the back-rake in any other match. But Hogan's like, give me a back rate this match. My back's itchy. Like, I don't <laughs> understand. Hogan can sell a back rake like no other person. He had a very sensitive back. That was that was his that was his weakness. Is he, you know, from the over from all the tanning. Yeah, <laughs> you did. I'll tell you, you're never gonna do, do a back rake on on uh, on Hercules Hernandez. That's that's just gonna be a bloody mess of pimples from uh, a back knee from his steroids so that is due to steroid use certain certain back rakes on certain wrestlers have been banned over the years um <laughs> that would be ridiculous uh here's a question i wanted to ask you because like so uh sometimes my uh uh my friends uh we'll, we'll have uh, arguments or conversations about wrestling like for example i remember one year uh, Colin Jost and Michael Che were involved in a storyline leading up to WrestleMania, and they were actually in the Battle Royal at WrestleMania. And my friends are like, oh, those are two spots that should have went to somebody from NXT or blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and and, sometimes, and so then it boils down to, like, you know, um, some of my friends don't like it when celebrities come in and uh, and take spots that could have went for, to somebody else on the roster. And they asked me what my attitude is at uh, towards it. And my attitude is like, well, I'm an entertainer, so I have a different outlook. And my outlook is if I'm at a point in my career which I can parlay that into a cameo or anything with the WWE where I get on film or I get in the ring or anything at all, I'm going to fucking do it because I'm that big of a fan and I want to be involved with the product. Now, you are getting up there, and you are also gaining fans in the WWE as being Squirrely Dan. For example, we like I've seen the tweets of Alexa Bliss and how much she loves Letterkenny because she, she owns a pig herself. So it just makes sense that a girl that loves farming would love a show like Letterkenny. So, you know, because you guys sit around on the farm all day. Um, now, my question is, have you talked to her? Have you used your celebrity yet to get into anybody with the WWE? Or are you going to take advantage of it in any way if the opportunity is offered to you? 
what is your stance on celebrities in wrestling? Uh, well, I, I would definitely uh, try to use my celebrity to get involved with wrestling in any way if I could. I was actually a, a buddy of mine posted a, a memory from what uh, from a, three years ago when I uh, did guest commentary for a smash taping and got to call a match between Tabernacle, the team, and uh, the well-oiled machines, which was a, a ton of fun. But uh, I actually uh, uh, got back in, in uh, December, uh, out of the blue, I got uh, a text from, uh, or a, a message on, direct message on Twitter from Baron Corbin, inviting me down to the, um, to the WWE show at uh, the exhibition grounds that night. And unfortunately my, my, uh, fiance and I were out visiting family and weren't actually in Toronto at the time. Uh, oh. so I, I had to, I had to decline, but I had a nice chat with Baron Corbin. He's a big fan. I found out from, um, I went down, I was in Florida doing shows back in September. My fiance and I, uh, uh, she did, we did a week of shows and then uh, we did Disney World it's actually when I proposed to her and uh, we met a bunch of the w, uh, NXT reps uh, they came out to my show in Orlando uh, Daryl uh, who's a Toronto indie wrestler the Hornet who's a rep with, uh, cool. with NXT and WWE uh, we got connected through RJ so he brought bunch of the guys out and uh, Shane Thorne came out and uh, Leo Rush and his wife came out as well. Leo and I met at a smash show and uh, uh, he's asked me a few times to retweet stuff for him. And we've, we've developed a, a Twitter friendship through that. So they all came out to the show and hung out afterwards and we took pictures and chatted, but they told me that Baron has been a long time letter Kenny fan and uh, used to have the, um, the catch scene uh, <laughs> between myself and, and Jared and Nate yeah. loaded up on his phone, and uh, he would just he would just show it to guys backstage at random, be like, "Have you seen the show Letterkenny? Oh, if you haven't, check this out." And show him the scene where we all play catch together. That's great. So they told us that, and then and then a few months later, out of the blue, I just uh, I started following uh, Baron after that, and, and then out of the blue, one day I just get this message from him saying why don't you come down and hang out with us at the, at the show tonight? I'm like, oh, I'd love to, I can't be there, but, uh, you know, give me a heads up next time you're in town and I'll for sure be there. And, uh, he was like, yeah, man, if you ever need to, if you ever need to beat up a giant guy on your TV show, let me know and I'll be there. And I was like, dude, we'd love to have you. I wish I made those decisions, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> gotten, gotten a few offers from wrestlers to be beat up on letter counting, which is actually a lot of fun. I'm oh, amazed to find out the, the guys who are fans of the show. Like, uh, I chatted with Xavier Woods. Yeah. Uh, he was going to come out to our show in Atlanta on the tour. And unfortunately, got called. But uh, And uh, Nug told me that uh, Dalton Castle's a big fan. Oh, yeah. He had tickets to the show as well. So uh, I was trying to organize to get them backstage. But unfortunately, we canceled the entire tour. Jeepers, like... You know, the only person I think is lucky this year was uh, uh, Rory Scovel, my buddy and and, vet, and of alumni of this show. Uh, he did a tour following Tool. Uh, Tool is his favorite band, so he did a show, a tour 
called the Tour Following Tool Tour. And uh, the Tool people got it, found out about it because he went on Conan and pushed the show. And uh, Tool found out about it and they embraced it. They gave him uh, VIP passes for all the shows. Uh, you know, so he's like, uh, like the idea was we just want to go see the show. So we're going to do a show to make money to pay for the tickets to go see the show. But then Tool just gave them like passes for the whole friggin' thing. And it's, and it's like awesome. And they were like, and you know, so like they're really supportive. So now Rory has his sitcom out, Robbie, and it's on Comedy Central on Netflix right now. And uh, Tool on their, on their, like their fan page is pushing Rory's sitcom. Oh, that's terrific. And it's just like, it's so great to see the admiration between the two because they enjoy comedy and Rory enjoys their music and they, they dig each other. And not to mention their guitarist is also a big wrestling fan. So Rory, I'm going to try to hit up Rory to see if he can get me uh, <laughs> Adam from Tool on my wrestling the show. The guitarist from Tool? Yeah. That would be pretty funky. He's, he's, yeah. he's always at PWG cards. Like, that's what I would hear. He would always be. The one that I went to, he wasn't there. But um, but he has been there in the past. So And Lilo Rush, that guy's a star. Whether he's with the WWE or not, he's a star. Whether he's a manager role or in a wrestling role, I think he can do it all. And uh, he's he's been talking, uh, and he's you know posting about possibly stepping away from the ring in the wake of all of this. And uh, I, I really hope he doesn't because he's he does amazing things in there. And you know, I think if, if uh, this is this was a an unfortunate situation, the this pandemic you know came out of nowhere and affected people's lives in ways that couldn't be imagined. But like you know. I definitely think he's an incredible talent and uh, I really hope he sticks with it or at least comes back to it, you know? Well, I really uh, thought he he's was a young guy. Yeah. So, so he, he's got a lot of time ahead of him to make those choices, but man, is he ever uh, a gifted athlete? Oh, for sure. And I thought he was a good pairing for, uh, for Bobby Lashley. And I wish they would have paired him up with Ricochet as well, who could use a talker. You know, um, like uh, there's just so much potential. I just, it's sad. A lot of the guys that they cut, a lot of them I'm like, yeah, I can see that. But there were certain guys that they did cut where I was like, yeah, I wish they didn't cut that person. Uh, and Lilo Rush is one of them. It's funny you mentioned Baron Corbin, who is like my most despised, hated wrestler. But as you're telling me all that story, I was doing nothing but smiling. You know, it's like... <laughs> I was like, I, like even if the like the wrestler that I hated the most contacted me with me, I'd be happier than a pig and shit. You know what I mean? I would be so fucking con- content, you know, with uh, any wrestler's uh, approval or or anything. Here's, like that. here's the thing about Baron: is we're supposed to hate him. Of course we are, especially when he takes your fucking name. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, so. So, and, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he's, he's very good at his job if, uh, if yeah. people can't stand him. <laughs> yeah, I used to be pretty high on the Corbin Google chart, right behind Burnson, as a matter of fact. But now I've dropped because of Baron. <laughs> so, God damn it. There's not many famous Corbins. Oh, Jesus. 
Uh, K Trev, that's uh, pretty much we've uh, we've we're already done it. We've dropped forty seven minutes. We can call it a show. Um, it's been great having you on, man, and I enjoy talking to you. And it's been great too long. Great talking to you too, bud. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. I'm I'm so glad that you uh, you guys are picked up in the states because the good thing about this lockdown is people are finding new shows every day and they're purging them. And I have a feeling there's a lot of people in America watching Ladder Kenny right now during this lockdown, and it's getting them through it, and it's making them feel better. So, you know. Oh, I, I hope so. And, and to uh, any Letter Kenny fans listening, we have another season in the can, and we're under contract for two more. So don't worry. There'll be more Letter Kenny. It's great, and I love it because, you know, like, you're on the show, and, and uh, uh, like I've, I've seen – there's merchandise out. You guys got merchandise out there now. Like you guys, I said to Boomer, I'm like, hey, I saw a T-shirt with your catchphrase from Letterkenny on it. He goes, yep. <laughs> and I'm like, that's awesome. And he's like, yeah, it it's is pretty trippy. And I'm I'm really thrilled that uh, McHenry uh, was oh, back on the show, dude. That scene uh, with like the wait, but what, the toilet scene in that in that episode, yeah. like. That might have been the best episode. I mean, the funniest. Like, and it's not because it's my roommate. It's just because like the character is He's so a funny. funny dude. And it, I'd never seen his eyes open that much in my life ever. I didn't know he could open his eyes that much. Like, his eyes yeah. are so open. And he, and there was a word that he kept mispronouncing that I can't remember, but it was so fucking funny. Um, toilets maybe to- my favorite yeah, new to- pronunciation. Toilets, yeah. The outside of the toilet, yeah. Oh my God, so funny and so great, and I'm glad he finally got back on the show. And uh, yeah, we were really happy to have him. It was a lot of fun. Jared's been trying to find a way to bring him back for some time, so it was great that we finally got him back there. Well, that's awesome. Well, K. Trav, I'm gonna let you go. Continued success, all the best. And as soon as this is over, let's get out to a, a Smash Card or a Destiny show or a Greek Town show, and let's have some fun. For sure. For sure. Let's do all of them. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. That's awesome. We'll hit all the shows. Awesome. Folks, <laughs> thanks for joining us this week on Talking Wrestling. Thanks for letting me put a headlock on your ear for K. Trevor Wilson, uh, the man mountain of comedy in Canada, and for Casey Corbin, uh, the guy beyond the mic. Uh, you guys have been a lot of fun, and have a great night, and we'll see you and talk to you next week, hopefully with Matty Billen. Have a great one, and uh, talk to you later. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Never Sleeps Network.